Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me as ever from across the pond, he's a statesman to my kingsman. Uh, Rumour has it that when he tells a lie, his nose grows about three feet. It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I am all right, Matt. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing very well. We're recording this show a little bit later than usual, so uh, listeners of the show will probably be thinking, where's my show? Why isn't it out on the day it normally is? Uh, We've just been very busy this week with with, with film and work and education, but there was no way... Will we not going to deliver a BAMP for you guys? But I'm okay, though. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying the actual fall weather now. I've had a pumpkin spice latte for almost every day since the last oh, episode. Man. It's really bad. Uh, almost every day, not quite. So there's my get-out-of-jail card. But, yeah, I, I can't complain, my friend. How about yourself? How's life in Florida? I'm drinking a pumpkin cream cold brew from uh, oh, a, a little donut shop, a big-name donut shop from around the corner. Um, I, I snip. I snagged on my way home from work. Um, you know, had to get home and walk the dogs right before it started raining. It's raining real hard right now, um, but it's raining on my brand new roof because we got a new roof uh, put it down. in our house yesterday, um, and uh, mostly went well. The roof, uh, as I I figured, because we hadn't been able to get repairs done since the hurricane hit us back in 2018, so I knew there was going to be some problems, and uh, there was a lot of rotten wood. And um, early, like they started working on the roof at like seven in the morning. I was already at work. My wife was getting ready for work and part of our ceiling came down Oh because there was apparently some water, not a huge, like about a, maybe half a foot hole uh, and nothing came through. It just like apparently was that wet, even though we could not see there was no water stain or anything on that part of the roof. So we had no idea it was weak, but apparently just the vibrations from them removing the, uh, the, the plywood caused it to, to fall in, uh, made a little bit of a mess. Cause you know, we have like the insulation in the ceiling. Um, so we had, a, we had a big cleanup last night when I, when we both got home from work, but, um, we had two, uh, holes in our ceiling, um, that were surprising. Uh, so now we have some other repairs to do. So that's always fun, but brand new roof. yeah, exactly. But the roof is fixed and we got a lot of, it's, it's in now up to code, which is important living in Florida. Cause we get, when we get storms, we get storms. So I know, definitely yeah. want to have be uh, up to code. I was worried if I didn't get the roof on and a hurricane had hit the summer, we may not have had a roof. So I'm, it sounds like I was right because they, they were like, uh, we have to replace a lot of the wood. I'm like, yeah, I was kind of thinking that was going to be the case. So cool. Let's, you know, I'm glad that you guys are professionals. And, um, I hired a good roofing company that I knew would do everything by the book and they did. So. Well, good. Uh, if they don't know that you're the co-host of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast uh, <laughs> before, then they should do now because you, you should use that as your kind of uh, calling yes. card to get them to come a bit quicker. But no, that's good news. I know that feeling. It's the same with, I don't know, your car or truck. One thing doesn't yes. go wrong. It's usually two or three things that have gone. My car's actually out of action for currently, so I'm uh, sorting out. A new, I'll have a new one sorted by the next episode. Uh, but yeah, it's just never ends. Thankfully, though, we do have... Well, we have each other. We're friends. We can talk to each other, but we also have all of you guys. We have the BAMP, the bloody awesome movie podcast, and just movies in general to keep us motivated. And it's been a while since our last show. It certainly feels like it because we didn't have a spoiler yeah. episode for Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. And just a word to the wise, this episode uh, will not be followed by a spoiler episode either because, well, it's a 
story that's been out for you know it's been in the public knowledge for 82 years now and there's not really much that we can spoil about the original story it's a tale as old as time wait it's not beauty i'm sorry beauty in the book what's going on no of course not it is another disney live action uh adaptation slash remake of their own animated cartoon we are talking about robert zemeckis's pinocchio this week uh, a film again that's been out for so long or a story that's been known for so long we're not going to do, release a spoiler episode however there are additions and alterations to this film compared to that original story that we will hint at and nod at, but we're not going to explicitly give away or say what they are, especially when it comes to plot points later in the film. So whilst this is non-spoiler, we will be talking about, you know, the well-established 82-year-old story. So Pinocchio, as I mentioned, it is directed by Robert Zemeckis, who also wrote this alongside Chris Weitz. And it stars, uh, whether a voice acting or live action, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hanks, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, Angus Wright, the wonderful Cynthia Arrivo, Keegan-Michael Key, Lorraine Bracco, Jaquita Tarle, Luke Evans, and Lewin Lloyd. Uh, synopsis from IMDb. This is uh, probably the most concise we've ever had. A live-action adaptation of Disney's Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Maybe our discussions will probably open that up a little bit more. But um, the original is a beloved animated uh, work. So how well-received was this one, John? The answer is not very well. No. Rotten Tomatoes critic score is currently 27%. Oof. The audience score, usually high, you say. It is, but not much. 34% for the audience score. Meta score is 39. The IMDB user score is even less. And it's currently at 2.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Uh, this is only available on Disney+. Plus. It's a Disney Plus streaming original probably for the best given the critical evaluation of it or the audience one as well. So um, what did we think about this film? Um, oh man, straight. We've got, well, oddly enough, we've got Pinocchio now, but of course in a two or three months, we've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio coming yeah. out as well. So we're going to have one of those strange cases, which happens every now and then it happened recently with another film that I can't remember. And it's going to bug me. Where this, where you know, we had two adaptations quite close to each other. Uh, this is obviously a Netflix one and Del Toro's one. Probably going to be a bit more weird and wonderful because this yes. particular one isn't great. And when I say that, I'm trying to distance that the story in itself is fine because it's the same one as we've always known for the most part. When this, the best part of this film is just simply when it rehashes the animated uh, film when it just brings that to life. Uh, verbatim that's the best parts of this film the new additions i don't really think add an awful lot to the film they're there to you know buffer this film out a little bit to add some more weights and backstory to certain characters including pinocchio and tom hanks's geppetto i just don't think they really add that much do you know what I mean? I, I, I really don't um the film for for a zemeckis film you know the guy who gave us who framed Roger Rabbit in terms of live and animated hybrids. Again, I don't think this film looks great, John. It, mm, it, times yeah. it times it looks okay. I'm not going to say it's a washout. At times it looks decent, but it's but for the most part, it isn't a particularly good looking film. And 
I mean, Zemeckis, for me, he hasn't been on the best of form in recent years with this, The Witches, uh, Welcome to Marway, and I'm going to throw Allied in there as well. I think since The Walk, he hasn't really done too much. But um, the new musical sequences, or the more bombastic ones, I didn't think were overly exciting. I didn't they, I didn't find them as toe-tapping as before. And I've seen a lot of people online, uh, fellow critics, saying the word soulless. And I do have to agree with this when you're talking about a boy they wish upon a star and this would this puppet you know he, he can now move about his strings and he almost kind of gets himself a soul i mean maybe he could have donated some to the film itself because it just doesn't see it's as hollow as you know pinocchio is it's they really try to really try to imbue it and there are one or two moments when they try they almost break through with the emotion especially in a particular scene between pinocchio and geppetto when um pinocchio is getting very upset but it just wasn't enough here, John, to kind of justify the point of this. And I'm not somebody who who is banging on the drum and saying, oh, good, another pointless Disney remake, blah, blah. But I don't think this actually justifies its existence enough. All the joy and wonder has been sucked out by the machi- the corporate machine behind it. And it just makes you wonder why. And with Del Toro's Pinocchio coming out, there's no guarantee that's going to be any better or even good. Mm-hmm. But if it is, it's going to make this look even worse in comparison john um i will say though is i'm going to uh say that the the dude who voiced uh pinocchio uh mm-hmm. himself the young boy whose name is gone benjamin evan Ainsworth. i think he's really good actually as pinocchio i think he's really solid yeah. um i think he's good i think joseph gordon levitt is he's okay i don't think he quite captures that spirit as uh, honestly as he could have done tom hanks though I didn't really buy Tom Hanks for the second no. film in a row. And oh man, not you as well. But this, um, this upsets me because I'm a big fan of Tom Hanks and it's me not too. that he's bad. It just doesn't feel, he just doesn't really feel like he lives in this particular world. Uh, again, the accent is a bit dodgy here and there as well. It seems to go in and out of Tom Hanks, but, um, I, I didn't think he was excellent. Uh, and we have the blue fairies. It makes her return. Uh, Cynthia Arrivo is in this. And yeah. for a, those who are upset, just remember, fairies aren't real, so they can be whoever they want. As can Ariel go outside once in a while. I think she's very good in the scene that she has, but she's not in it as much as she was before, John. But overall, for me, uh, there's a few flashes here of um, visual decency. I think um, Ainsworth as Pinocchio is good. Um, but I just think it's a case of the contemporary filmmaking almost gone wrong where they've taken a classic try to make try to imbue it with modern filmmaking techniques and it hasn't paid off as well as it could do but what about you john are you a fan of the original i'm a fan of the original but are you and how do you feel about this one so i don't have the love for the original like i don't dislike it i just don't like i've seen it it's not one i've gone back to as an adult really i I know i showed it to my daughter when she was younger it wasn't one that grabbed her either so it wasn't like a on loop or repeat like like you and frozen one and two with your daughter um so i i don't have this like big love of. i mean i've always been fond of it right like i look back like oh yes pinocchio but honestly even watching this i'm just like i don't really remember anything significant about it it's like a series of vignettes like this happens then this happens and I felt like this one, especially a lot of the things that they like force, like he's going here because of this. It it feels so 
convoluted like with the plot like the structure of all the scenes feel like yeah why would he do that though that doesn't make sense and Mm -hmm. even more like he's brought to life and they just send him off to school like like why would he know where to go like geppetto doesn't like take him to school like the whole plot feels dumb in ways (laughs) that i just think is and I'm, i'm not sure if the original feels that way too like in my head, I just remember the scenes. You know, what I mean, I remember him oh, with the uh, they got no strings, right? I remember the uh, you know going t- to the the place where he gets turned into a donkey. Like I remember those moments, but I don't really remember the flow of the plot, like ha- like why he does those things in a row. As much as it just feels like he's being like, you know, what's this sin punishment? You know, like and that's they try. I feel like Chris White and Zemeckis try with their script to to justify why things happen, and all of them feel kind of dumb here. Like, like they like. Don't you want to be famous? And I'm like, I guess that makes sense, but like <laughs> it feels like a stretch. And for me, was the other Tom Hanks performance for you Elvis that you were referenced that you didn't? Yeah, like? I wasn't. I wasn't a fan yeah. of of that. No. So I liked him in Elvis, but I understand that complaint. I. I don't know if it was the working with the CG because, like, there's a point where he picks up the CG cat and it's it's so bad, like it looks yes. ridiculous. And I don't blame Hanks for it because it's got to be weird petting nothing, but then the CG just makes it look bad. And I'm just like, why didn't you just get a cat? Like, I understand why Pinocchio's CG, and I'll even I understand why why Jiminy Cricket's CG, but why does the cat and the goldfish have to yeah. be CG? Let them be real. Like, I'm Disney. And these remakes, I, I'm all for a remake. Like, as much as I didn't find Mulan to be a very good movie, I love that it was a true remake. It wasn't just a rehash of the animated movie. Like, they tried to do something different with it. It didn't really work, but at least they tried something different. Where, like, the Beauty and the Beast remake was a remake. And they added things, and just like you said here, the additions felt superfluous and not beneficial to the movie. If anything, they brought the movie down a bit. And of course, when you try to redo these amazing songs and you, you fail to capture the same magic, it's, people are going to be upset and they're going to notice. And that's maybe what happens here. Honestly, I don't feel like I remember the songs well enough. I wouldn't have known that the songs had changed. So like, there's no nostalgia issue for me here. It's not like, Oh, I wish it was like the other one. It's more like, yeah, but these aren't entertaining either. Like whether these are different or the same. I'm not like, oh boy, I can't wait for this song to come back on. Like it's it it just doesn't grab me like this. Pinocchio feels dated as a story to me. Like mm-hmm. it feels like it's from the past. Where other Disney classics feel universal. Like those stories will just feel like they last the test of time. Maybe it's the the puppet part of it that makes it feel old timey. It just feels old. And I don't know if that's what keeps me at like an arm's length from it anyways. And then you add in all the things that you said, all those little complaints, the, the CG stuff. That's not great. I do think the voice acting solid. Joseph Gordon Levitt feels like he's trying to do like Mickey mouse, but from the South, like, yes, yes. It's like Southern Mickey. I, I it was, I, I listened to, I like pulled up a scene from the, the animated just to watch. Cause I'm like, does this how Jimmy cricket sounds? Cause I don't remember it. And it's, mm. it's not the same. It's definitely his take on the character. And I don't think it's bad. It just doesn't quite... It doesn't sound like JGL, though. I thought it sounded like, you know, he's doing a performance, which is great. Um, I'd rather that than just it be like Joseph Gordon-Levitt just being Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, of course. But I I 
rarely feel like feel like Hanks doesn't do a good job, and he I don't I don't think he's the right person for this. I, I think I texted you when I was watching it that I, I really think if I didn't, I might have texted Big Tuna, but I really think Christopher Lloyd would have been the right casting for Geppetto. Like right Ooh. now, Christopher Lloyd. I think he has that manic energy and he can do the big kind of like, I'm overly excited old guy. Like, cause really that's what doc Brown was, you know, 35 years ago. He's just now actually old. You know, like it would have fit really well into the Geppetto role. Um, and he's worked with Zemeckis obviously. So like, and so is Hanks of course, obviously also, but like, I don't know. Hanks isn't pulling old, even though he's getting older, he isn't pulling the old man, character here right it just feels off um and that yeah i i don't at the same time i don't think it's as bad as some of these scores are indicating i just think it's really unnecessary this it's this feels like okay i want to say it's a cash grab but it's not because they are really not pushing this movie like it, it doesn't even have zemeckis on the poster yeah good point this is robert zemeckis is at a point in his career where they're not even marketing him as the it's not Robert Zemeckis presents Pinocchio. It's just Pinocchio. It, it was yeah, Zemeckis. Tom Hanks is back as Pinocchio. I don't. I think with the scores, I, I haven't really looked into what the reviewers are saying, but I am quite pleased. Pl- quietly pleased, though. Similar with the Lion King, that the film isn't getting a pass because yes. people are adding extra points because it. But it's based on the original, which was beloved. And like I mentioned, yeah. for me, the best parts of this film were where it just recreated well, the animated film but i don't want to give it a pass because i've seen that film and it's already been the, done with those other movies that have been like this jungle book lion king and this one they're mm-hmm. really stretching the definition of live action adaptation right yeah. like because I, I guess you could argue beauty and the beast because a lot of that is cg but a lot of the cg felt like it was on practical stuff right like like it like the candlestick was in a practical environment. Like the set looked real. A lot of the set here looks CG too. Like the whole thing is CG except for the four humans or whatever that are in the movie. It's like, well then why, why do it live action if you're going to animate it? And that was like the biggest complaint with Lion King is like, there's no human characters. You can't call everything's going to be CG. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's an animated film essentially. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, they used to try to do it with, like, actual animals. That's insane. Don't do Lion King with actual lion, you know. <laughs> but, but um, like, at least then there was a reason to do a live-action version. But if you're going to just animate it, then at least call it what it is. It's an animated movie with a different animation style. Um, although, the, I think for Lion King, they did use real-world sets. So, at least there's something there. I don't know if that's the case with Pinocchio. The sets look computer-generated to me, like, almost exclusively in this movie. Um <sighs> I don't and know not about well. workshop, but it, that also looked that suffered oh. from the, the descendants um, curse of just looking like a a very cheap set. I'm My sorry to say. favorite part of this whole movie, though, is go. the Roger Rabbit cuckoo clock. Yes, there was a meeting there. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, I like that, and then otherwise, I was like, okay, I don't care. Um, and again. I, I'm not even dissing Pinocchio. There is there's an earnestness to Pinocchio that maybe also is what makes it feel old. Like uh, the, right now, the earnestness doesn't always feel genuine. You know, it feels kind of like ah, I remember when people used to have hope, and that's the like Pinocchio is like a very optimistic, like everything will be okay kind of vibe, right? Like no, you know, we'll get there. And uh, yeah, I mm, I, I just 
I, I, I found it hard to get through this movie, to be honest. Like, I was like, especially because I am at home. I don't think this needs a theatrical run for a lot of reasons. But at the same time, I was like, oh, man, when is this going to be over? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's not even it's it's 90 minutes, right? Like, it's not long, but um, an hour and 40 minutes. A, l- a little too long. Chris yeah. White um, has an interesting career. I don't know. Like, I don't know if you know. I know him a lot because he's on the Blank Check podcast from time to time as a guest. Uh, but you know, American Pie dude, isn't he? Wrote, co-wrote American Pie and co-directed American Pie. Um, he directed uh, Twilight New Moon. Um, and so, yeah, his career is interesting. Uh, he's written a few more things than he's directed. He's only directed a few things. But um, I, I I like listening to him talk on the podcast. I think he's he's definitely a film guy. I think they did some interesting stuff with at least the script. They didn't just remake it exactly. Like you said, though, I don't know that it really matters and that's the difference i think we've we've heard rumors of del toro's pinocchio for years so he's he i feel like he's got something he wants to explore with pinocchio i don't know i feel like given what we've seen from disney this is disney just trying to do what they've been doing which is we're going to pull back our classics put them into a new skin and and try to sell it to another audience and it's like maybe don't like you none of them have been great honestly when I look back at all of them, I think my favorite one is the one I had the least interest in seeing, and it was Aladdin. And it just because yeah, I was no, like pleasantly surprised with Will Smith as the genie, like that, and because it, it felt like a different genie, like it wasn't just doing Robin Williams thing. He was like, "I'm Will Smith. I'm gonna do my take on genie." I liked his take on the songs. I love the original songs, but I liked Will Smith's songs it in, in that a movie. Little bit- different didn't it guy Ritchie, he added something he added a bit of himself but he is also faithful enough and it felt different yeah. enough that it kind of justified its need to be out there then at the same time though also i hated jafar in that movie so much like oh, they yeah, he ruined was really that character um so it's it's still saying like I, none of them have been great jungle book was fine um but i should have loved jungle book because bill murray was blue and i it, yeah. it's like a barely registers that 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 even happened so i i just feel like man you've got your animated stuff we love the anime stuff and yours a lot of the good new animated things have been great like they've had some really good new movies both under pixar and under the disney label cool maybe just try some other stuff with live action don't just recreate things we already have or you know take the properties that you have and do something new with them um I don't know. I I'm I'm really done with these remakes. And I what we got Peter Pan coming at some point. I forgot no. who's doing that. Some somebody good's doing Peter Pan. Somebody big's doing Peter Pan. I, I I'm with you. I mean they they have tried doing new things. Obviously, a Wrinkle in Time. I think you are quite fairly up. I, liked, I wasn't a huge. Fan, I am. But. I I liked. I didn't think it was great, but I I liked it way more than everybody else did. I think so, but it's just I I'd rather them just not bother doing these live action adaptations because it's wasting for me it's wasting time and resource on you know giving somebody a chance to create new icons yes, and new disney exactly. characters and you know not all of them are going to be a success and they can't expect their next film to be you know the original beauty and the beast level of um a critical acclaim you know one of the, of the big i think it was with the highest grossing film of that year or one of them because we cover that on astrology you know academy awards here and there and nominations and wins it was and it's beloved you can't expect everything to be like that we've got to swing for the fences sometimes and you know i think del toro yeah. is going to do that they've already promised a darker version and interestingly just on that david bradley who is 80 is going to be playing geppetto so an, you know ah. for, with all respect an actual kind of older man 
the guy who played Walder Frey in Game of Thrones. He was in Harry Potter. Uh, this dude's been in, in an awful lot of stuff, even the uh, Exorcist yeah. prequel. But that will be interesting to see what he brings to the role. Now, I do want to point out, though, you mentioned that, that we were getting two Pinocchios in one year, basically. However, do you know that last year there was a Pinocchio movie that came out? Uh, I don't recall, no. So I didn't see it. I found out about it this year because there's when they announced this one, it started kind of circulating the internet because it's, it's one of those things where it is really weird. It's called Pinocchio, A True Story. And <laughs> guess who the voice of Pinocchio is, my friend? Um, but I'm, I, I, it could be anyone, so I'm not going to guess just yet. Polly Shore. Oh, I would never have guessed Paulie Shore. Your I man. know, sir. Now, Tom Kenny, who's most famous for the voice of SpongeBob, is Geppetto in this animated movie. Um, okay. And I believe, I don't know how, but I'm seeing here under the cast list that John Heater, Napoleon Dynamite himself, yep. is playing a character named Tibble. So Tibble. I don't know if there's a Romeo and Juliet tie-in to this movie, but if you get a second, listeners, if you haven't seen this cursed trailer, you should watch this trailer because it is wild. Um, but that came out last year. So we got three po- Pinocchio movies within a year of the of each other. Nice. I um, expect a bunch of Winnie the Pooh content because Winnie the Pooh is in the public domain now. Yes. We're getting the blood and honey later this year. Jeez, we had Christopher Robin, didn't we, uh, a few years ago? Yeah, uh, which I like. I thought that I was a sweet film. Yeah, exactly. I thought that yeah, was a sweet one. He's going to be in Pinocchio. He's uh, he's been cast in yes. as the talk uh, cricket, G- as Jimmy Cricket. cricket. I mean, you got Ewan McGregor, Finn Wolfhart, Ron Perlman, Tilda Swinton, Kate Blanchett, Christoph Waltz, David Bradley, Tim Blake Nelson, amongst many others. I that. Is that John one going to be animated or is that going to be like the hybrid live action animated? Uh, judging by what I've seen, uh, it it looks like it's going to be um, animated, I believe. Okay. Uh, I yeah, it is. It's an animated film. Yeah, John Turturro. Yeah, he's in it. Uh, it is animated, but that's fine because y- you, yeah. you you don't have the issue that you have with this one. And Zemeckis, we mentioned who framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, look, this film's nearly as old as we are. Since uh-huh. then, he's given us things like Beowulf uh, and other Beowulf, um, Polar Express, and Polar Express. Um, um, a Christmas Carol, Disney's A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey playing multiple roles. Other um, visual nightmares. So, I mean, uh, it shouldn't yeah. really have been expected for this film to have looked great in that sense. But um, I, I, I would have. Oh, no, he, he fell into a technology uh, thing. That's like he likes to explore a tech. Um, Ang Lee is in a similar boat uh, when you think of them. Of course, and then, of course, no, James Cameron. Yeah. The difference, James Cameron seems to innovate with the ones that he latches yeah, onto. Pushes up. Um, Ang Lee, uh, between Gemini Man and uh, Billy, Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, uh, went with the high frame rate uh, shots where he you can't project those high frame rates anywhere because no one has the equipment. There's like five theaters in the country that had the uh, ability to project Gemini Man at the right frame rate. And um, Gemini Man looks terrible a lot like some of the cg in that is real real bad and then zemeckis with this those three movies that we mentioned and uh marwin he tried to bring that motion capture look back with uh a little less it wasn't the entire movie this time but it was something with like the uncanny valley it just looks uncomfortable as much i rewatch polar express pretty much every year my wife loves that movie but it's it's unsettling to watch like it doesn't look good but there's something about the story that just keeps bringing us back to it. 
Um, yeah, I Zemeckis obviously a director I love because the Back to the Future trilogy, one of my favorites all time. Um, love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think Forrest Gump is good. Some people, it's their favorite movie of all time. They're like, it's a very well-regarded film. Um, Castaway, you know, you have this filmography of these big movies. Even Contact is, is I think, maybe a little underrated at this point. But the last 10 years, like, and I think there's some people who will really back Allied because Allied is, I think, his most grounded film he has done in the last 20 years. Um where like it's it's not relying on any real like because even the walk relies on some heavy like technology stuff with the the 3d and things of that nature but yeah he i mean what lies beneath for me was possibly his best film in the last 20 or 22 i really really need to rewatch that because i i saw it in theaters as a as a kid and i don't not a kid i guess i was like 18 or 19 or whatever but um, I now know that it's like his Hitchcockian film. I'm like, I got to rewatch it now that I've studied Hitchcock so much. I need to see uh, Zemeckis' take on it. But um, I have not rewatched it recently. No, it's well worth a watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, fans of Zemeckis out there, you know, come come to his defense. Let us know, you know, in the last 20 odd years, why why the man should have garnered more respect. But I mean, again, Allied isn't awful. I'm just not the biggest fan yeah, of it. I didn't express his decent. Castaway is... You know, Castaway's good as well, but it, it's his most That's more recent Hank, album. Yeah, again, that, that is all Hank. So, it, but it, it, you know, recent album hasn't been great, and I'm sad to say for me, John, Pinocchio isn't going to change that anytime soon. So, before we move on, have you yep. got any last thoughts, Pinocchio? Uh, no, I, I, you know, it's it's not. If you already have Disney Plus, it's not bad. It's just not worth like making an effort to watch. It's kind of like if you throw it on and just let it be on. I am curious yeah. if, like, a kid, this if this is your introduction to Pinocchio, does this make you love Pinocchio? Or is this like, ugh, turn it off? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I had kind of de- thought, or oh, should I wait and watch this with Olivia, my daughter, but uh, Olivia, but I, I didn't. I just watched it by myself because from what everything I saw, it looked a bit rubbish. And <laughs> I thought, and that was before I'd seen it, I thought I'd rather introduce her to the animated uh, cartoon and see how she gets on with something that is yeah 82 years old so um i'm not going to be rushing to watch this uh ever again john so that is our review then of robert zemeckis's pinocchio and i'm sure we'll be talking del toro's pinocchio as and when it releases i think it's got a december release date i guess it's worth noting that i um i i watched this like three weeks ago because i had a screener for it and um I was like getting a little nervous to talk about it. I was like, man, I don't really remember it. Should I watch it again? And I was just like, no, I can't watch it again. It's, no, it's not happening. No. So when I saw it as an hour and 40, I just think, oh no, but yeah, I got through it. We do. That's what we'll do for, for the BAMP. But uh, well, let's move on then to our next segment, which we call chuffed headlines. Here we take a movie or pop culture headline that caught our attention and we share it with you guys. So John, what have you gone for this week? So I went with, I guess it's technically a sad headline and it's going to be sadder when I discuss it. So, um, in, I teach IB film, um, and we are currently studying some film movements. So we started with, uh, uh, German expressionism Then we went into Italian neorealism and next week, in fact, we're going to be talking about French new wave. And I was very surprised on September. Um, I, I think it was Sunday, although the date of this article is now September 13th. So they've updated it with something, but, um, that I got a notification on my phone that uh, French director Jean-Luc Godard of the French New Wave era died at age 91. And I looked at my phone, and I was like, I had no idea he was still alive. Like, I had no clue. This iconic director. 
and I was like, I felt a little bad that I didn't know, but I, to, I, I definitely was not aware of him more than, I don't know, 10 years ago. Cause I was not knowledgeable on world cinema as, as much as it pains me to say that this is, I have studied film for the last six years actively and, and challenging. Um, so I'm much more, I've seen several of his films, or at least I've seen breathless for sure. And I've seen a lot of clips of his other films. Um, but I never thought while I was studying his films in the last six years to, to see if he was still alive. I just kind of associated him with, you know, that era. And there's no way he's still kicking, but led to 91. So what a great life. Um, and it was fun because I had just one of my IB film students had checked out Breathless like a week ago and watched Breathless for the first time. And so he today, uh, I hadn't seen him this week. And he was like, Mr. B, did you hear about uh, Godard? And I was like, I did. He's like, I didn't know he was alive. I'm like, me either. <laughs> I feel it is bad, but bad. I, I had the same reaction. Yeah. Which, I mean, good for him. He must have just lived a quiet, older life. Like he wasn't still trying to make movies, I guess. Or if he, he was, was still making films, and they were all kind of essay documentary films in the last oh, decade. Okay. Yeah. Up until about three, four years ago, maybe. Wow. I feel real bad that I know nothing. Yeah. I don't think they were wide release films, however. <laughs> well, obviously icon of the industry. So I mean, no disrespect. I just was, I was shocked to see that he was still alive. And again, I hope to live to 91. So like, I mean, no disrespect. I, what a, what a cool life he got to have. Yeah. No, somebody uh, I was speaking to about film with the other day mentioned Goddard had passed and, and it is very sad. And I, I said to him, you know, I wasn't always, the biggest fan of all of his films, but I loved his style of film, like the way he, the, the, the techniques that he used and uh, innovated in terms of film uh, are apes today, but maybe never quite emulated. But I think he was a fantastic visionary filmmaker, very good storyteller as well. And again, yeah, what he brought to film into technically is something that's again his his legacy other than the like, the huge body of work he left behind i watched contempt with bridget bardot for astrology um a few months ago now uh, i thought that film was good and of course uh other films uh vive savi uh made basically from the 60s piero lefou he his body of work is left behind and will be studied like it has been for the last few decades it will continue to be studied for the next few decades and that is one hell of a legacy to have. Not only was he one of the pioneers of the French New Wave yes. movement, but his work is still being discussed uh, oh, 60 yeah. years later. And again, it will continue to be so. Such was his influence, John. Yeah, and I, I will be literally talking about him and, uh, um, oh boy, uh, Tr uh, Truffaut next week as we move into um, French New Wave. Although we're, we're going to be watching The 400 Blows, not Breathless, because there's... Breathless is a little more grown up and 400 blows uh, works yes. better for a high school audience. So yes, no, you are totally right. My friend. Um, well, my story isn't, um, at quite so, um, quite so sad, uh, but it, it does revolve around a franchise, which John has taken an active interest in over the last few weeks and months. Thanks to the blank check podcast. My story comes from screen rant. It's written by Padraig Cotter. The headline, John, why Pierce Brosnan felt Spectre wasn't a real Bond movie, uh, and in brackets, parenthesis, was he right? Uh, the sub substrap says Spectre received mixed reviews, with even former 007 Pierce Brosnan critiquing the movie's story as weak and saying that it wasn't a real Bond movie. Now, uh, I need to preface this by saying that during this interview, 
he was uh, only effusive of praise about Daniel Craig. It was never a case of Daniel Craig wasn't good enough or anything like that. He was, you know, the praise he heaped on Daniel Craig, his, his, uh, his successor is, is high. So it's nothing like that. But he says about Spectre, the story was kind of weak and it could have been condensed. It kind of went on too long. And he says that uh, Spectre is neither fish nor fowl and it is neither Bond nor Bourne. Uh, obviously judging on the fact that the Daniel Craig films took a lot of inspiration from those Jason Bourne films and that the, and that the age of James Bond is certainly in the Brosnan era. It felt outdated. It didn't feel, it didn't feel quite as relevant as it once did. And then when you've got the Bourne films coming out, suddenly it felt even more dated. So I think Pierce yeah. Brosnan is pointing more at that, but also, um, the fact that Spectre, was very much now trying to tie in the Craig films into like a DC EU, the Daniel Craig expanded universe for James Bond. Whereas the other films didn't really do that or if much, it was tangential at best if they did, but here, you know, they really tried to tie everything together. So, uh, Pierce Brosnan coming out and saying, whilst being, um, high heavier of praise on Daniel Craig, picking out a spectre in particular, as a film which didn't feel very Bond like, was this was this one of the ones you caught? Because I know you saw the Craig films. Oh, I've seen all the Craig films. I, I'm I I actually really like the Daniel Craig uh, Bond. I don't like Quantum of Solace more so. Like I felt like Quantum of Solace is super forgettable. I don't even really remember watching it. Um, I was mad at Spectre when I saw it. I was like, this is bad. Like I was so frustrated because Skyfall so so good. Spectre so, so so bad. And I, I really like No Time to Die. I, I, I don't think it's perfect. I think it's the third best of the five Craig Bonds. But that's it. Like, Skyfall and Casino Royale are so good. And uh, No Time to Die, solid. Spectre's bad. And I, I was so disappointed because I like Christoph Waltz. And this has been on a trend. Christoph Waltz blew everybody away with with Inglorious Bastards, right? He, like his, his performance yeah. is so good in there. And then he's great in Django. And he's pretty much been on a downward slide after that. Like that's like I I feel like he came out too strong, where we had this high expectation of what he was, and he's he's had some other good performances. I actually think he's really good in the lead of Battle Angel. Yes, yeah. I think he could have been good here as the villain. I just Agreed. think the writing and the idea to make him like connected to Bond in the way that they did was poor. Uh, yeah, it was. There's so many little things in that movie that just are blah. And then even in No Time to Die, like they they don't just let Spectre go away. I really wish they didn't tie it to Spectre at all. <laughs> I almost wish we could just ignore Spectre, but they they have to throw something in from Spectre. Yeah, I, I agree, Bronson. I think I think he's right. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, John Burke and Pierce Brosnan are together in their opinion is a phrase that we've said in the BAMP. So Pierce, if you're listening, yeah. which we know you are, we're with of you course. on this one. Uh, so that is our headlines for the week and now we're going to move on to movie uh, media sorry consumption where we will talk about the movies and also tv streaming series video games music podcasts that aren't ours whatever we've done or watched or consumed since the last episode to pass the time i always say the same thing but it's true john you've always got a very decent array of uh content so what you've been checking out well, I, uh, of course, listened to the most recent episode of Blank Check. They, they're they taking a slight break from Stanley Kubrick because uh, the, po- the way it works is they've done all these different directors over the course of the five or six years they've been doing the podcast. And if um, one of the directors they've covered in the past has a new movie come out, 
they will do the new movie. So they've done George Miller. So George Miller's new movie, 3000 years of longing is out. So they did an episode on that this week. Uh, I believe they are doing, um, I think they're doing the, uh, the women King. Cause they, they did, uh, Gina Prince Blythewood last year. Yeah. Uh, because she's, she's got a very small filmography. I didn't even realize she was uh, doing that movie until after the Blank Check announced it. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, I don't know. They're doing like three three episodes that are not Stanley Kubrick because directors have stuff coming out. I'm trying to remember. They're definitely doing that, The Women King. I just don't remember if that's this week or next week. But nevertheless, 3,000 years long episode, solid episode if you're a Blank Check fan like myself. Um, movies, I, I haven't watched too much this week, but... Uh, I did catch, as you mentioned, the Bond movies. I'm getting ready for the next... Um, actually, I guess the Blank Check episode already happened, but The Spy Who Loved Me, the third um, Moore Bond. Uh, it's so far yep. my favorite of the Moore Bonds. Um, it is the one that clearly, aside from the name, Austin Powers obviously borrows The Spy Who Shagged Me instead. Um, <laughs> but a lot of this movie are in some of the Austin Powers. Like The, the costumes of the villains are in the Austin Powers. Even there's one time the main villain is wearing like a gray jumpsuit that definitely kind of screams, uh, Dr. Evil, although Dr. Evil's clearly supposed to be Blofeld, but, um, it, it still has kind of his look and vibe. Um, a lot of that is from, um, this particular film pulled a lot, but it's also, I think, uh, of the three bonds that I've seen of, of more, it's the first one that feels like what I think of as James Bond. Like it, it really felt more like a bond movie. And, um, I enjoyed it more than I've enjoyed most of the other uh, more ones so far. Um, um, yeah, I don't remember too much about it. Um, so I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. It could be either or, right? Um, I uh, had never seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and I am a big rom-com person. Um, yes. And I forgot, I think it popped up on one of the games that we play like a week or two ago. I think it might have been the box office um, game. And I said something to Big Tuna that I'd never seen it, and he was like, Really? I'm like, yeah. And then I just was like, you know what? Why not tonight? And uh, I loved it. I, it's it's great. I had a great time watching it. It's not my favorite rom-com by any means, but it was definitely totally up my alley. Um, enjoyed watching it. Thought it was really funny. Uh, I'll never look at Windex the same. Um, caught uh, Barbarian. And uh, Barbarian's new, new movie out in theaters. Um, Tell me all oh, non-spoiler. Yeah, I I love this movie. It is Damn. really cool. Um, they there's some really cool plot stuff. There's a lot of uh, plot structure stuff, and definitely um, some throwbacks to different films of the past that really clicked for me. Um, it it has some interesting stuff in it. I've seen a lot of things, uh, a lot of positive reviews. I, I if you get a chance to see Barbarian, I know it's it's way late for you. It's like in October over in the UK. Perfect but, timing, though, because it's three yes. days before Halloween. But yeah, yeah, but that that weird, like, why is this so early here and so late there? But um, really, really good uh, horror film. I, I definitely um, two of my students saw it earlier in the week, also, and then they're going to go watch it again. They liked it that much that they want to see it a second time. So I've it's, been, it's, um, I have hit up Disney. Like I said, I have been begging via email and the official channels in order to try and get a copy early because I don't want to be spoiled, John. Yeah. Um, and then I don't remember if I, if I had watched certain women or not, but I was watching all the Kelly record films and I did complete her filmography that is currently available for me that she does have a movie coming out this year, but it debuted at Cannes. It's not out for us yet. I'm expecting to see it probably before the end of the year though. 
Um, but I have, I've watched all of Kelly records films at this point. Um, I'd say I'm a fan. I don't love the movies. I think they're all very good. Like none of them like stood out as like, Oh, this is a instant favorite for me. But, um, I liked all of them. Uh, I haven't seen that film. I can say that. That one's interesting because it is like three little like short films almost um, that all, they loosely tie together, but they are like short stories. Um, but some big cast because you have Laura Dern is the lead of the first story, which is, I think, my favorite story. Michelle Williams is the second story. And wow. um, the third short film is actually a um, the main character is new. She's a young actress who I don't think she's done much else, but the secondary character is Kristen Stewart. So like you have big name there as well. Um, and Michelle Williams has worked with, with Kelly record in like four or five films. So, so that's not surprising, but, and then uh, some shows um, she Hulk I'm up to date on. I am enjoying she Hulk. I, I really like the, I think it's episode five is the most recent episode. Um, I liked five. I was all good with the uh, Megan, the stallion stuff from the week before. Um, I, I, I think she Hulk's fun. I, I don't think it's like, Again, it's not essential viewing, but I'm having a good time watching it. I think uh, the the lead actress is terrific. Uh, Tatiana Maslany. Yes. Um, I don't I know if you... Since I, I, I've seen up to episode three, and I just haven't got around to watching four and five, but I will do. Which, to be fair, listeners, Matt has not kept up with most of the Marvel TV series, so that's not out of character. I have watched all of the Marvel shows so far um, and have been mostly positive on all of them. I don't think I've disliked any of them. Um, some episodes I think are boring throughout the, all of their series, but, um, I don't remember if I talked about Central Park last week or not, but, um, I think you may, I believe you mentioned it last week. I'm sure. Okay. I, I thought that was, I couldn't remember when I started. I've watched all of season one and I've watched a couple episodes of season two. It is such a good show. Very, very funny. Uh, same artist as Bob Burgers. Um, boom. Yes. Yeah. 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 What we do in the shadows. I did talk about that's That's over for the season. I'm sad that it's over, but Matt, I found a new video game. Here we go. So back at the pandemic, I got really into Animal Crossing. Like Animal Crossing helped me tremendously for the first like three or four months of the pandemic because it, it, it gave me a sense of purpose every day. I was like, I got to log in and I got to, we got to buy the onions and I got to do this stuff, you know, um, farm going. Disney Dreamlight Valley is essentially Disney's version of Animal Crossing. It's not exactly the same, but it's in the same kind of vain like you have this uh this valley that you are the keeper of rather than random characters from that are just animals that are anthropomorphized you have famous disney characters um it's still in like the early game mode and uh the idea basically is that you're pulling characters from different realms to live on this in this valley that's powered by dream magic and there's actually like a story and stuff it's not just here you are but it does there you're farming you're you're gathering you're mining you're doing all the stuff like you would do in animal crossing that kind of thing um but there's a lot of customization stuff like your character can look all the different costumes from some uh disney inspired like outfits and others are just like a mickey mouse t-shirt or like mickey mouse ears for your character like the uh like the ones you buy at disney and I, dude, I, I spent way too many hours on it this weekend. Um, I was still sick. And man, there's something about it I found super cathartic uh, while I was sick. I was just like really into it. But even like I've actively played at least an hour every day because um, I got to I gotta log in. I got to make friends with all these things. I got to make food. Remy helps you learn how to cook. Like it's it's dude, fun. Do you get and, to hang uh, out with, uh, with Donald Duck? 
Yeah, you, well, dude, he's the he's the worst. I gotta say, oh, his character on. gets mad. And he starts making train noises, and it's just like it's <sighs> crazy. Um, I, uh, it's free if you have Xbox Game Pass. Um, if mm-hmm. if you want to play right now, I think it's a thirty dollar like uh, early access thing. Um, for the other systems, but it is cross-platform. Like, if you own it on Xbox and you own it on Switch, you can, like, use the same save file. Um, yeah, help both. Uh, which will be really cool. I'm, I haven't... My understanding is at some point when it's a full release, it will be completely free to play unless you want to be on, like, their season pass, the new thing that they keep doing where you get, like, extra stuff for paying or whatever. Um, so at that point, I will be really into it because I'll be able to put it on my Switch and my Xbox. Right now, I'm just playing it on Xbox. But if you're a Disney fanatic... Um, that uh, actually right now there's a limited number of characters, but you can see like, there's so much room for this game to like grow and expand, but it starts off with a good bit. And, um, as you said, the, the, you got your four core, Donald, Goofy, mini, mini, uh, mini Mickey, excuse me. Um, but then there's, you know, Remy from, from Ratatouille, Wally's in there, Moana and Maui, um, Anya, Anna, Anya, Elsa, and, um, Boy, Kristoff, I, I cannot remember that that guy's name most oh, of the I'll time. Oh, I could told you that. I know you could have. Um, Merlin, which is the big surprise. He's kind of like the lead. Um, but, you know, Sword in the Stone, Merlin. And then a yeah, couple yeah. of villains are in it. Um, a couple other characters. Uh, but, yeah, I'm having a blast, man. It's Disney Dreamlight Valley. I feel like it's, again, it's, it's like Animal Crossing. So if you're not into that type of game where you're, like, moving things and farming and stuff, you're going to hate it. But if you like that kind of thing and you like Disney, man, I've had a blast. I never played Animal Crossing during the pandemic, so I can't speak to whether or not I enjoy it. But this particular game sounds like a lot of fun. You get to hang out with Donald. And I listen, I'm not, I'm not listening to what you're saying that Donald's the worst. Donald's the king. Donald's the G. <laughs> he's my, Donald could never be anything but cool. He's always been my, he's always been my favorite Disney kind of classic oh, wow. OG character. Uh, what about, do you have a favorite OG Disney character? Um, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're defining as OG. I, I always have liked Goofy, of course. Um, what count like, would you count Scrooge McDuck as OG? Because I think I'm a bigger Scrooge McDuck fan than I am Donald. I think we've got to I, the point now where you probably could do, given how given how old you know yeah, well, his I, first appearance. I loved Ducktales growing up as a kid. Yeah, um, same here. Uh, I would. I actually hope they add some Jungle Book characters because, I, as I mentioned, Baloo earlier. Um, I am a big Baloo fan. Like I love Tailspin, but also I love the original Jungle Book animated movie. So, like those characters would be great. Um, but I, I mean, Goofy. I think of, of the core four. I think I prefer Goofy. Uh, he's just so you know sweet and silly and and funny. No, no, it's okay. We're all wrong sometimes, but I'll allow yes, it. Yes, for sure. <laughs> of course. Hey, look, what I always say, we disagree. We get on with it because that's what friends do. Um, I have, I too haven't watched an awful lot this week, but I have listened to the latest Nightmare on Film Street episode where they discussed the 2003 remake of, or redo, reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, and were surprisingly kind of up on it, which I remember, I've, I've said, I think I've said on earlier versions of this show that, in terms of that kind of period of like Platinum Dunes, uh, classic horror remakes or redos or continuations, they weren't. I mean, firstly, I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre might have had one of the first Lego sequels. Um, uh, this is one of the better ones, and I'm not going to come out and say it, it's great, but it's also certainly in the pantheon of TCM movies, it's one of the better ones. Uh, certainly, mm. probably better than the one that came out on Netflix 
I don't know, was it last year, this year? It felt, I don't know when it came out. I've already forgotten. I think it was this year it came out. The uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Um, uh, yes, it was this year. It was this. Oh yeah, of course it was because it's quite far down on my letterbox list. Um, yeah, so they talked about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it almost made me want to rewatch it, but though that franchise of films, I'm never really in a rush to rewatch those films. Not that I don't have any kind of fondness for the original. I don't really because it's grimy, dirty, and grubby. But it, I still appreciate it, the, its merit. I think it's a good film, but I never kind of rush to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the same goes for the sequels, really. So uh, one day, maybe I'll revisit this uh, also grimy, grubby, and gory remake. But um, in terms of films, I only watched one film this week. Um, I was going to watch See How They Run. I had tickets booked and everything, but I couldn't make it to the theatre because I remember I didn't have a car. So (laughs) with the stupidest reason, I was like, how am I going to get there? So um, I would never chance to go to see that, but I'm going to go and see it this weekend as I've procured a uh, a spare, shall we say, car, um, a family vehicle. So I'm going to go and hopefully see, see how they run alongside many other things. Uh, I saw, I watched Poltergeist from 1982, uh, the Toby Hooper Poltergeist, Steven Spielberg produced. I watched that this week and that is my only film watch of the week, but I have been watching some series or at least documentary series. Uh, and of course ah. they all revolve from Disney plus uh, before that though, I've caught up on rings of power. Uh, I'm still enjoying the season episode three. I think there were some deviations for what you would call classic Tolkien. And by that, I don't mean the same crap you hear online. I mean, actually the, the violence and kind of the gore that was on oh. show felt very kind of, wow. And I know that, and, and, to confirm i'm fully aware this isn't necessarily particularly a prequel to the jackson films it's disconnected though the story will lead into it because it's all one story but i know they're not the same from the same world but it felt so kind of far removed at times from what you would have got in those films and it almost came as a shock and it did kind of feel like a response to the kind of game of thrones um, ah. tone that came years before it's not as you know it's not quite like red wedding or mental stuff like that but it just felt kind of like oh that's not what i'm used to seeing in this kind of show and uh the last episode sorry episode three i did kind of find that some of the sweeping vistas didn't look quite as grand it did kind of feel like at times it was just filmed on a beach rather than middle earth um so that was slightly um a bit disappointing but it, again it didn't ruin my excitement it just took me out for a minute where i could tell that that didn't look fantastical the way that and you can tell that there's a different director on episode three bayona's not back mm. episode four i think is good as well i'm enjoying it they're all solid so far so uh again no spoilers for me but i'm enjoying rings of power uh and more so now that they're really kind of pushing the story on now we have an idea of where we're going so uh, same with any show. I like to know where we're going fairly early on and Rings of Power has done just that. I said last week that I was going to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, A Jedi's Return, the making of Kenobi. Um, and now I have seen it and it's really good actually because it functions as it actually discusses how they, how, well, how they made it. It isn't just a pat on the back. It isn't just let's roll out Ewan McGregor and ask him about Obi-Wan a lot. You know, they really kind of dive into the technology that I spent a few episodes saying didn't look very good. Uh, they they really talk about the impact of someone like Hayden Christensen coming back and what it means to him, given the vitriol he's um, received. They go into Deborah Chow's directorial ideas and and the writing process. It's you know what a documentary d- should do, but uh, I, th- I found some of the more recent, certainly Star Wars 
behind the scenes on Disney Plus haven't quite been as thorough really since the Mandalorian roundtables for season one where they had eight roundtables where they had Kathleen Kennedy, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, the guys who worked in visuals, the cinematographer, everyone, everyone literally around a table discussing it for, I think it's, sorry, I think it's a four episodes, but that was excellent. And this one was a, a much uh, needed return to form, but uh, in something that was even better was the ILM mini documentary series, uh, Industrial Light and Magic, Creating the Impossible. Uh, John, if you haven't seen this, I highly, highly, highly recommend this set of documentaries. Yeah. It's not just Star Wars. Of course, it's Lucas, George Lucas's company, and it focuses on A New Hope and how they made that and like, the the mind-boggling things I had to do to get that film on screen considering the limitations, but it really played up to the ingenuity, ingenuity, sorry, and uh, innovation that these guys use for that film. And it goes through this, uh, the OT, but it also starts talking about Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Willow, how those films are made, how they brought those to life. Nice. So it moves away from Star Wars, which which is cool because ILM is, yeah, it, it, yeah, we think of Star Wars, but you just look at the credits for many, most major blockbusters and ILM will be in the credits. Uh, so it, it's a love letter to filmmaking, to visual effects. And I think you'd love this, John. So it's on Disney plus, uh, I think it's six episodes and they're all about an hour each. So it's, it's not, you know, they're not short, but it is yeah. a fantastic emotional at times kind of look back at what went into making all of these films, not just the original Star Wars trilogy, but all of these films. So, um, yeah, I was, I've been meaning to watch it for a little while, ILM, uh, creating the impossible. I finally got around to watching it and it, it, it's excellent. Really, really good documentary on Disney plus. So, uh, that's what I've been checking out, John. I really do want to watch barbarian, but I've got a few screeners in the, uh, in the tank ready to watch, uh, my best friend's exorcism. I'm looking, I got that from Amazon today. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, a film called Vespa, which came out. I don't know if it's Fantasia or not, but I know I got, so I asked for that from IFC and they gave it to me. Ryan Johnson is, um, hosting or comparing a Q and a for that film soon. Oh, so I'm very excited to see that. And Shudder, our oh, Shudder are brilliant. They sent everything. So I've got a film called Deadstream I'm going to be watching soon, which looks like an awful lot of fun. I just so that uh, is uh, mean. It looks like VHS uh, 99, I think is what they're calling it. Is There's yes. a trailer out for that. I haven't watched yet, but that I'm excited. Today. I, think it was, I think it dropped today or yesterday. I got the email about that. That comes out on October the 20th. Yes. And I'm hoping to get watch that early because uh, Shudder, as well, I mean, Shudder are great. That I, everything that comes out, even the documentaries, I probably should add those to my list more because I actually do watch those. There's a great documentary at the minute called 100 Scariest Moments in Horror, and they kind of do X amount per episode. And it's so much fun to watch. Um, I, I get those sent early. They must know that I'm a huge horror fan. So not all of the films are great. You know, that some of the originals are not good, uh, but some of them are kind of little hidden gems. Like I mentioned, Glorious. I watched that weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and it's just being released now. And I think Glorious is great, uh, and it's getting very good reviews um, off the back of its release. So, uh, you know, shout out to Shudder. So yeah. uh, if anyone hasn't got it, it's only about five bucks. Check it out. Um, but that's what we've been checking out since the last episode. And like I said, it's been a few a few extra days since we recorded the last episode. But nothing's changed in terms of having to stay bloody awesome in order to deliver this wonderful content to you. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome since the last episode? I uh, recently had Open House uh, at work, which if you're not familiar with that as an idea, 
it is um, after school, several usually a couple hours after, and we have parents come on and they kind of experience a rapid fire version of their students' day at school. So they go nice. period by period um, to their students' classes and teachers give like a real brief kind of, this is what we're doing, this is what the class is, welcome to my room, take a look. Um, and it's, it's a little stressful because you never know our parents coming in with like intent of like yelling at you. Do they have questions that they really want to drill you on? Um, are they going to like, what well, my student hates this class or whatever. So you never know what you're going to get, uh, on these kind of nights. And also even like how much, how many people are going to come out. Cause it's, it's after work per se, but you know, it's people have been working all day. Do they want to come walk around a school? And, uh, we had ours um, on the 15th. So actually one of the reasons why we're not recording as early as normal. And um, it ended up being really great for me because it turned into like a Burke praise session. Um, yeah, I had nice. several parents, you know, tell me how much their students uh, love my class or how much their, my classes influence them. And uh, one, what two, two parents at one moment uh, in particular where um, they informed me that uh, their student is now looking to pursue film as a career and were not mad at me, but, you know, looking for like, you know, what, what, how did you do that? How did you like incite this passion in my student who for years had this uh, one goal and now they have this new goal. And, you know, I reiterate that I don't push film as a career, um, that I, I say, maybe this is a career for you, or maybe you'll find the thing that makes you passion through movies, right? Like we watch a movie about this topic and maybe that's the topic that you really are interested in now. Um, like if you watch East side sushi, suddenly you want to become a sushi chef. You, you don't want to make films, but through a film, you found your, your life goal. And it was, it, but it was a really cool moment. Um, parents super supportive, mind you, like she's not in any way discouraging, uh, the kid from doing it. Just, um, and, you know, I also don't necessarily push film school. The film school is one route. And for some people, film school is the right path. But there's plenty of great filmmakers who didn't go to film school, including Christopher Nolan, who's having a pretty big career. Um, heard of him. Yeah, he's done some stuff. And it obviously, you, I think there's some benefits to film school, too. Uh, some of our biggest directors all... They're known for being the film brats, you know, Scorsese, Lucas, Spielberg, De Palma all went to the same school, same time. Uh, can you imagine being in that graduating class? But yeah, um, but it's it was still great to to hear so much positive feedback and uh, hear that all the, the, the work that I put into the job does pay off and at least with the students. And that's why I do this job in the first place. So it was it was re- refreshing and reassuring. Um to hear, you know, so many kind things yesterday. That's definitely not what I was expecting. I'm, I'm there to talk to them. And instead I got a lot of praise and one parent, um, and, and their student brought me a Jaws IMAX 3D, or I'm sorry, Jaws in IMAX poster that uh, my IMAX screening didn't have, but there, they went to a theater that happened to have those posters and they got me one and brought it to me yesterday as a, uh, a thank you for being me. And um, I was super excited because I obviously love Jaws. So having that poster is awesome. Now, that's uh, excellent to hear because, yeah, as I know, you've said many times on air, off air, teaching is uh, one of the toughest jobs of them all. It's very rewarding, but it's very stressful because you have these kids, uh, future kind of like, in one hand 
the other hand, of course, is theirs. They have to take that responsibility as we all had to when we were kids. But there is that kind of, there is that responsibility, there's that weight on the shoulders to, you know, do the, to always uh, ensure you're furthering their education. Your standards are never slipping. Of course, you've got people looking over your shoulder as well. It's a tough, tough, tough profession. And it must be so nice to get that validation from the harshest critics of all parents you know the kids are never the kids are one thing but the parents are another thing so uh i'm very pleased to hear that it went well and that you got that praise that you very much deserve because i know john how very hard you work thank you and yeah it it makes you feel pretty bloody awesome to hear such nice things you know especially unprompted uh yes i mean i could i could uh throw a swathe of compliments towards john however in the in the wake of that it would feel planned now so i'll do it off air instead how about that but um, sounds great my uh way of saying bloody awesome is much shorter and is kind of half cooked mine is gym kind of but i've signed up for the gym again however um i haven't been this week because like we said every day this week has been busy doing something however this coming weekend i am i'm actually working but i do that from home so i'm planning once i finished to rather than kind of just like kind of bum about after work, go, go to the gym for an, at least an hour, both days, and then come back and binge on some films as well. So I've been saying for weeks, I need to BLB, be like Burke. I've been saying for years that in fact, but be like Burke. And you know, you, you can only change yourself and I'm going to do it again. And this time I, John, I, I did the same thing exactly the same day, pretty much last year. And it, it, it went till Christmas. I was feeling good about myself. And then after Christmas, it fell off the wagon again. So I'm going to push this time, JB, till past Christmas. And I am going to be like Burke. However, um, the prefix is I haven't been yet, but I'm going to because I'm somebody who, if you pay for something, I'm damn well going to do it. Yep. So I hopefully this time next week, I can say, yep, I've started and my journey to journey to Jondam is on its way but uh well that is that then for our pinocchio episode our noses are still the same length because no lies have been told uh we are going to be back this time next week and we will be delivering a spoiler episode next week for the first time in a few weeks next week john we will be checking out a film which i've been very very excited to see since it was announced and since i've seen uh, and the trailer on the on uh, in HD this time, rather than whatever it was we saw on YouTube, uh, since I've seen the posters coming out, and since A24 have sorted me out with this Pearl. We're going to be watching the prequel to Ty West X called Pearl, led by Mia Goth. We're going to be talking about that next week, and I'm very sure we're going to be need to do a spoiler chat about that one. So uh, do come back next week for that. In the meantime, if you want to talk to us about Pinocchio, about Robert Zemeckis, or just about film in general, you can find us online. Firstly, on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And John, where are we on Instagram? At Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, sir. We're on Facebook, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you want to find me online, you can do it at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and just search for What I Watch Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. And you are at John. I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all those social media platforms. Uh, go check out all of John's work. And if you are enjoying what we do here, and we, we hope you are, please do pass us a five-star rating 
and or review on your podcast provider of choice, including Spotify. All you've got to do is scroll up on your phone, hit the five stars. It doesn't interrupt your listening or anything. We would be very, very grateful. It gets us up the listening charts, the algorithm. It gets more people listening, uh, which gives us a chance to get to know more film fans each and every week, which is part of the reason why we do this. However, with that, as always, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, 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 blood, blood, bloody, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,